Good morning. My name is Dick and Norman Freeman, and I will be presenting today's lesson titled, Faith is Endurance, from Hebrews 12th chapter, verses 1 through 11. Let us first go to God in prayer. Great Jehovah Yahweh, we humbly submit ourselves before you this day, thanking you for another opportunity to study your word. We pray that your word will go forward in a manner that will be pleasing and acceptable to you. We pray that you will use this lesson in a way that someone will be drawn to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. We praise you and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Christians in Rome had to deal with the threat of persecution by the Roman authorities. Some Bible commentators believe Hebrews was written to a Jewish Christian congregation in Rome around A.D. 67 to 70. Others believe it was written to Jews living in Egypt or Palestine. The author wrote the letter in response to the threat that believers might renounce Christianity and revert to Judaism. The writer wanted to inform his vacillating readers that Jesus Christ, the object of God's final revelation, is superior to the greatest of Judaism's heroes. The writer also wanted to highlight to his audience the effectiveness or the efficacy of Jesus' power of salvation. He emphasizes that the Jewish legal sacrificial system was powerless to remit sins. Modern scholars are unsure of the identity of the author of this epistle. The writers, who some believe was the Apostle Paul, suggest that all Christians emulate Jesus' suffering and patience in anticipation of an eternal reward. These Christians were to think of themselves as athletes who possessed endurance in order to ensure victory over the forces of evil. The writer also made it clear that the Christian's secret weapon needed for victory in spite of trials and tribulations was unwavering faith. Today's lesson titled Faith is Endurance from Hebrews 12th chapter verses 1 through 11 is divided into three parts for ease of discussion. I will read the scripture in three corresponding parts from the New Living Testament and discuss each part directly after each scripture reading. These three parts are Part 1. Believers must run the race. Hebrews 12th chapter verses 1 and 2. Part 2. Believers must develop endurance. Hebrews 12th chapter verses 3 through 6. And part 3. Believers must learn to accept the discipline of the Lord. Hebrews 12th chapter verses 7 through 11. Now let us read the scripture for part one. Believers must run the race for, from Hebrews 12 chapter verses one and two. And verse one reads, therefore, since we, surrounded, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarded 
its shame. Now he is seated at, in a place of honor beside God's throne. Now let's discuss part one, believers must run the race. In this verse, the reference to the great cloud of witnesses is referring to those persons mentioned in chapter 11. Here the writer is saying that those who have gone before are examples to others of living the life of faith. They are credible leaders who have fought a good fight, finished their course, kept the faith, and earned their crowns of righteousness. God has confirmed their faithfulness, and they can be seen as examples of those who endured. Our heroes of faith should inspire us to keep our faith so we can pursue a life of complete holiness. Today, we look at heroes of faith such as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Mary McLeod Bethune, Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, and Rosa Parks, just to name a few. They are our inspiration. The writer encourages the Christian reader to continue to run their race of dis discipleship no matter what tries to hinder them. He tells them not to get distracted by burdens or sins that are present in their lives. Being a Christian was not an easy thing back then, and it still isn't today. It is a lifelong commitment that involves peaks and valleys, good times and bad times, and sunshine and rain. Christian discipleship is not a sprint. It is like a marathon. That is why the author tells his audience to use perseverance. Perseverance is the inequality that allows one to continue in some course of action despite the difficulty or opposition. To run the race, one must stay focused on Jesus. Jesus' life is the perfect example of faith. Now let's read the scripture for part two. Believers must develop endurance from Hebrews 12 chapter verses 3 through 6. And verse 3 reads, Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Now let's discuss part two, believers must develop endurance. When life becomes unbearable and we get discouraged by some temporary circumstance, we must have a spiritual sense to look to Jesus as our source of strength. The writer of Hebrews encouraged the vacillating Jewish Christians when they began to complain about the adversities they had to face to consider Jesus' suffering. In verse 5 and 6, the author quotes Proverbs 3rd chapter, verse 11 and 12. The Lord disciplines those he loves. In these verses, he, the reader is reminded of the parent-child relationship. Undisciplined children are unloved children. He also lets them know that trials suffered for righteousness' sake could be viewed as a chastening of the Lord. God's disciplinary correction instructs and nurtures. Corrective discipline 
is always a good thing that symbolizes love. When an earthly father exercises discipline on his child, in most cases it is meant to be beneficial to the child so that the same wrong action will not be repeated. Our Heavenly Father operates the same way. Because God loves us, His discipline He disciplines us so we will not commit the same sin or something worse. Now let's read the scripture for part three. Believers must learn to accept the discipline of the Lord. From Hebrews 12, chapter verses 7 through 11. And verse 7 reads, As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you, he does, he does all of his children. It means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable. While it is happening, it's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Now let's discuss part three. Believers must learn to accept the discipline of the Lord. Christians should view trials as a form of divine discipline. Christians are encouraged to endure the discipline of the Lord because it is the mark of the sonship of Christ as well as the way to become more holy and righteous. The Bible is clear that those who suffer for righteousness sake glorify God. The writer insists that we must look on all of the hardships of life as the discipline of God sent to work not for our harm, but for our ultimate and highest good. It is never pleasant to be corrected and disciplined by God, but his discipline is a sign of his deep love for us. When God corrects you, see it as proof of his love and his ability to lead you in the right direction. Then pray and ask him what he is working to teach you. God here is called the Father of Spirits, an expression that occurs only here in the New Testament. In contrast to the human fathers of our flesh, the writer makes the comparison between an earthly father and the heavenly father. The argument is that if earthly parents discipline us and we respect them for it over the long run, then we should respect our heavenly father even more. God desires for his children to have fruitful lives, and often that requires pain and sacrifice. This ends today's lesson. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for giving light to your ways and opening our minds that we may see the things that you have stored up for us. Help us to remember to be obedient to you in every way. Help us to recognize that while we are alive here on earth, we must live in a manner that reflects your ways and your values. 
Give us the wisdom to know and understand what life is in your presence will be like. Help us to understand that all we need to do is tell the story and the Holy Spirit does the rest. Bless this lesson and allow it to touch someone to bring them to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen.